I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome back into Cougar Sports Saturday. We're breaking down and reacting to what happened last night, really all month long, because this is a winless October for BYU football, which is hard to believe after having four wins in September. First time since 2002 BYU goes winless in October. And there were winnable games, man. It's, this wasn't this wasn't Baylor, Oregon, Utah. Like, come on. The East, you had East Carolina at home, for heaven's sake. Well, think about this, too. They were a favorite against Liberty. They were a favorite against East Carolina. It was a toss-up against Arkansas. It's not like BYU's this 14, 20-point underdog. No. They're games where the wise guys suggest that BYU could win these games. And they've underperformed. And that's been a theme with this team in 2022. We are getting so many good texts. We're going to get to them. And we got this one in the last segment, and I think it's worth talking about right now. This is from Texture 1237. I'll let you have the first word here, Mitch. This texture says, at this point, we know who Kalani is. Do we really think he can make BYU successful in the Big 12? It's a great question, and I think that you know Kalani, to me, is the perfect fit at BYU. He's, the, he's a perfect coach. He's a perfect uh, leader at BYU, and I think you got to give him a lot of credit for the fact that he's maintained the roster and navigated the transfer portal and just done a great job in that. And look, I don't subscribe to the thought of that many people throw out there, well, who would you get if you let him go? Yeah. There's always coaches. Yeah. BYU, since the days of Tommy Hudspeth, they've always gotten good coaches. Tommy Hudspeth, Lavelle, Crowen, uh, and I know Crowen has his failures, but you look at all these coaches since Lavelle, each one of them has had at least one season where they get 11 wins. BYU as a program, can, despite its limited coaching pool, can get good coaches. So I'm never going to say, oh, Kalani's just safe because they have nobody. There's, there's always someone. It's yeah. BYU. It's a great program that has so much history and tradition. And I feel like there's so much potential to continue to grow in the Big 12 Conference. I just think that Kalani's got to be armed with great coordinators around him. It's got to be like Lavelle. And like, I, I feel like there's so many similarities to me with Kalani and Lavelle in terms of how they approach things where 
you know, they, they want to empower their coordinators to be successful. Look, we, we know Kalani's a good football coach. He stepped into the defense and he's made improvements to a group that was down and out. And I, I thought tonight sh- or last night showed that. I just think, though, is he willing to make some tough decisions with this staff after the year? Because even if, let's say, they win out and they win at Boise and they win at Stanford and they win a bowl game, there still needs to be tough conversations about improving this program to get ready for the Big 12 because you're going into a league where there's coordinators that are making like $2 million a year. Derek Mason at Oklahoma State is making a ton of money. That's a former Power 5 head coach. Yep. Is BYU going to arm Kalani with the ability to go get, you know, if he wants to make a move from someone, get whoever he needs to that's going to fit BYU but also give him a competitive salary uh, I, I feel like he's the right man. I think a lot of coaches would want to work with Kalani, but he's got to make tough decisions because, uh, you know, Tuiaki, in uh, some of the Tuiaki criticisms, maybe not completely fair, uh, because I think there's been a lot more hands in that defensive pot, Kalani included, Ed Lamb, that uh, kind of get masked because Tuiaki has the defensive coordinator title, but the offensive staff as well, they're, they're not immune to criticisms. If Kalani needs to make improvements from there, will he move on from those guys? Because a lot of them have close, close connections to Kalani. And is he willing to make the tough moves? And uh, that's going to be the challenge for him this offseason. Because if he does, Matt, I think that it buys some uh, goodwill, I think, from BYU fans. And a little bit of a honeymoon phase again in the early years of the Big 12 to kind of navigate that difficult situation. I definitely have concerns. I I don't know if I can answer that question with a yes right now because of what you just outlined, which is can he can he do the difficult things? Can he cut ties with some friends? Can he make the program more accountable? I think that's another thing, yeah. too. Like, under Lavelle and Bronco and even Gary Croton, eh, maybe not so much Gary Croton, but yeah, def- no, definitely, Bron- definitely Bronco and Lavelle, well, there was, was accountability. Well, I would say with Lavelle's tenure at the end, you know, it was kind of a, a little loose. It was like a country club atmosphere. Like, it, you know, it, I think as time goes by, we kind of, uh, you know, there was there was once a time when people wanted to fire Norm Chow. Every coordinator has gone through the <laughs> ringer. Yes. It just happens. You know, it, it does. Uh, but I, I do think that with Kalani, uh, I truly believe this guy has uh, a ton of potential to deliver big seasons again, and and I'm excited. But he has to do the hard things. That's the thing. Yeah. If you're going to be the leader of a program, it's not always love and learn. We're having a good time. It's players. Sometimes it's we got to fire people. Sometimes you got to show a player the door if he doesn't buy into the program. Sometimes yeah. you have to discipline a player for not keeping the team rules. Like those are a part of being the quote unquote CEO. And up to this point, I have questions as to whether or not he can do those things. And that's why this offseason is going to help me answer that question because this feels like this is the time where there needs to be some cleaning up uh, around the edges on the program to tighten it up because it's not tight right now. When BYU gets to the Big 12, and what's so exciting about the Big 12 opportunity in front of BYU, not only is it Power 5 football, but to me, Matt, I feel like BYU – despite its great history, and this program has so much history, so much success, so much tradition, I feel like there's more to be had. I feel like BYU, in my opinion, is still kind of a sleeping giant potential. 
And I feel like with Power 5 affiliation, this thing can kick into overdrive and go to an even higher level. I'm not saying they're going to be a Bama or, or anything like that, but I feel like BYU has so much to like, and this brand is a powerful one, and it can be a great one. And I want to see it maximized to the fullest from all the support to arm Kalani with that potential. But he does have to... Uh, be a little bit tougher, yep. uh, and and I think maybe some of the practices got to be structured in a in a tougher way, and and I feel like because one thing I will say, one coming into this year, I feel like player development was in a great place. I don't know how many guys this year have gotten better, and that worries me a little bit going forward because I feel like this season, this team was the best overall roster, one to one twenty three, that I've seen in the Independence era from BYU, and I thought that alone will get BYU to nine, maybe ten wins. I said nine and three coming into the year, and I'm stunned that we're having a conversation where we're saying with a senior quarterback who I think is an all time quarterback at BYU and Jaron Hall, that we might be talking about this team going five and seven. That is inexcusable. Yeah. That is a total missed opportunity, and that's why tough things need to happen because long-term, BYU always bounces back. When they face adversity, BYU always gets up off the mat, and they never become this cellar dweller. So to avoid the chance of becoming a cellar dweller, dweller in the Big 12, you got to make those tough decisions now after yep. this season, yep. and it's got to be a total from top to bottom. Everything's got to be evaluated, and if it, if it doesn't, then the spotlight goes on Kalani. Yep. And I don't think deep down no one wants that because Kalani is so beloved, but you got to make those tough moves uh, to better the long-term health of the program and also his job security too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we got to take a break. News, traffic, and weather coming up next. Texts are coming in, 57500. Let us know what you think about the state of the program and last night's loss. We'll get to more of your texts on the other side. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.